All right, the better businessman, Jay-Z, P. Diddy, or Dame Dash? All right, so I would definitely say Jay-Z would be number one. P. Diddy would be number two. And uh, and Dame Dash would be number, uh, like, 300. <laughs> Most shit can be telefast. In life, you gotta compromise. Been jumping like I'm teleport. In the coupe, yeah, that shit be sport. Back then, I jumped off the porch. With a 2-3, that's my baby toy. Troy dealers with the fence door. Hit of the trap of the... All right. Hey, we good to go, man. We good to go? Yep. All right, all right. Um, well, once again, I appreciate you giving me the time. Um, like I said, I saw you on the other interview. And I'm like, damn, where do I know this dude from? Like, he looks so familiar, like it's somebody that I know. And I'm like, man, man, man. And then even like with your swag, your demeanor and everything, I'm like, yo, I know this dude. And then I start doing the little, you know, my little research. And then I was like, damn it, that has to be the dude from, from the seminar we went to. And then, you know, because we talked for a little bit and boom, 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 put it together. And I was like, oh, man. You know, that's that's what's up. And I was like, uh, you know, I got to have you. So, um, you know, basically, um, you know, I started this podcast, you know, trying to get it up off the ground or whatever, because, you know, it's I call it the garage billionaire. Um, the whole concept is, you know, there was quite a few billionaires that started out in the garage, you know. Absolutely. You know, so that's kind of the idea for the everyday folks to speak to everyday people that are very successful in life, but they're not necessarily <clears throat> like on TV or, you know, the glitz and the glamour or whatever, whatever. I mean, in your own life, you may have the glitz, but, you know, you're not like, like, like the ones that's, I mean, you get what I'm saying? So basically the everyday person. You know, to be, you know, uber successful, they just need to do it. So, you know, the, the, the idea of the podcast is to basically get people like you that's doing it major and, you know, get you on, um, get you on, give me one second. That was supposed to be recorded. Basically get you on, you know, a podcast like this to show how it's possible to everyday folks. And, you know, doing my background homework on you, I'm like, damn, this dude is really, really doing it out here. You know, so um, I'm like, yo, I gotta have you. Um, but anyway, um, my name is the 10X Closer and we are here with A. Donahue Baker. Um, you are a Morehouse College professor? Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, real estate developer with over 500 units? Very true. Okay, okay. Grammy Award winning producer? Also a stack. Man, I love that because, you know, I love the music too. We did our little one, two, two. You know, we all have that. And uh, CEO of Money Ave. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, my latest and greatest uh, inspiration, I think, is going to touch a lot of people. So I'm excited to talk about that. And I want to know a lot more about that because, um, like I said, you know, we had a short meeting, but 
you know, I, I, I kind of have the eye for, you know, those people that are going to be in the B and the B-boy club, you know, eventually doing the big things. And I'm like, yo, this guy is on the path, you know. So, um, all right. So who is uh, A. Donahue Baker? Well, I'm pretty much, you know, yeah, yeah. Usual guy that tried to really study the masters of wealth, how they built it. And my my whole career has really been in search of how others have been built wealth and uh -huh. pass that on to other people. So I started as a CPA. I'm still a CPA. I just don't practice anymore. Okay. Having interactions with the family office, pretty much decided to launch my own business and. I started with my own practice, but then that led me to real estate. I built up this portfolio of real estate, and now I am focusing on building a bank, really to practice all of the, the lessons I've learned along the way to help people build wealth. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. Now, um, where are you from? Where, where, what, you know, what is your background? Where, yeah. I'm raised in New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey, right close to to Harlem, to the Bronx, right, George Washington Bridge. Um, that was, I was raised in the shadows of New York City. Okay. There, I went to school in Georgetown, then I lived in Atlanta, I lived a little bit in Denver, Colorado as well. Right. I bounced around the country, seen a little, seen things from a little different perspective. Okay. And uh, for the most part, I'm on uh, New Jersey all the way. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, how was your upbringing because you're 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 doing big things now. However, I mean, did you come from uh how could I say a household that was already there, meaning successful parents? Or, you know, you came from where a lot of us came from, basically the hood, the bottom, and we had those aspirations. Yeah, no, I get it. I grew up in affordable housing, so um, I didn't, wasn't born with the silver spoon in my mouth. But one of the great things about growing up in Bergen County, mm -hmm. I, was, I was surrounded by a lot of different wealth, right? So um, one of the things that I did when I was young, uh, Eddie Murphy was a huge star. Eddie Murphy has a house in Inglewood Cliffs. Okay. So we used to go trick-or-treating up to Eddie Murphy's house. Wow. And... Just being in his mansion um, showed me why it was a whole nother side to life. Right. Showed me that there's this there's there's wealth, there's rich, and there's working class. I mean, it's different levels to the whole thing. Right. And uh, I think I think just growing up as a kid, being surrounded by by extreme wealth, and then being some you know growing up in, in uh, low income housing. You know, you start to see a dichotomy develop. So, you know, I, I didn't grow up rich, but I was surrounded by it. That's that's what's up. You know, um, at least yeah, yeah, you you were able to see it because um, you know, sometimes we talk about um, you know, within our circle, there's a lot of dudes that have never left the block. You know, and I know some dudes personally that have you know I'm I'm from Miami you know so you have like Orlando and the theme parks and things like that and you have these you know kids that grew up and 
they never experienced that. And even as adults, they stayed in, in the hood and never ventured outside more than a couple of miles. And you really don't see, you know, what's out there for you. So in the sense of other than watching TV, and TV is basically a fairy tale to us, you know, it's kind of like, oh, all the rich people live on TV, you know, and... So, so I, so, living in Harlem, because I lived in, stayed in Harlem for a little bit, there was this, these kids that I used to work with, they called the Three Threats back in the day, I used to produce. Uh-huh. And one of the, one of the kids, one day I picked them up, and I had this, my studio was in Jersey, so I'm picking them up from New York, driving over to Jersey, and I'm realizing, you know, these are teenagers, they've never left New York. They've never left their block for the most part. And just to come over to Jersey, they were so fascinated to see trees, to see, you know, just sub suburban lifestyle. We can, we didn't have to fight for parking spots. You know, it was, it was just fascinating to see their minds work. And, and, uh, you know, it was so much that we take for granted. So that's one of the things that I, I definitely try to do um, with my son right now is show him the world. So right. he can be exposed to that. So 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> tell me this. Now, you were a CPA, a music producer, and now basically a real estate mogul. Which, which one came first, and how was that transition to where you are at right now? Yeah, well, it started... Music came first, right? Started in the music industry. Uh, when I got my first big music check, took that money, parlayed that into real estate. When I basically got some income, I call it living the rent-free lifestyle. What I mean right. by that is just basically getting enough money off passive rental income mm -hmm. to basically make sure I'm not homeless. When I, when I started living the rent-free lifestyle, I basically became addicted to it and decided to just set a goal for myself, continuing to purchase real estate, but I still had to work. So I really had to go back, decided to uh, go back to school a little bit. And then I started to work for a firm and then I started my own firm. And okay. that really, I did that for almost a decade practicing as a CPA and uh, all along, I'm still buying real estate. So you know, it's, it's like some simultaneous, right? So you buy real estate while you still have this job, while I'm able to qualify for loans, things like that. So that when that, that W-2 income goes a long way with the banks. So right, as right. the entrepreneur, it's, it's sometimes harder to get loans if you don't have the right structure and, and things in place. Exactly. But uh, so as I, as I built up, I, I pretty much got to the point where I could retire myself from corporate America and do real estate full time. And that's what I did a few years back, retired from corporate America. I no longer practice as a CPA. So I live off my rental income. And then, uh, you know, real estate for me is boring, right? In terms of uh, just because I have a property manager, the property manager pretty much does all the work. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really actively uh, doing a lot. And I just really try to do one deal a year. So I'm not doing a lot every day on real estate. So I needed something else. I'm still a young guy. So I was like, let me, you know, what can I do that's really going to move the needle? And that's what led me to start the latest venture, which is the bank, which I feel is a culmination of my life's work. 
Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now, um, with the music, how long were you in the music industry? I was I was in the music industry for about seven, eight years. Okay. Um, uh, when I was in high school, I was part of a, a group that got signed to Virgin Records. We were signed to Teddy Riley, um, worked under them for a long time. Then as I kind of got out of, uh, went back to college, took some time off, I started a production company. We had a record uh, production deal with Sony Music at the time. So during that era, we produced uh, Music Soul Child. I don't know if you've heard of him, the R&B yeah, singer. Um, we discovered A. Marie, the, the R&B artist, A. Marie, and um, you know, worked with a number of other artists as well okay. coming up and, and had some success and had some failures as well because eventually our label got dropped and you know, then the checks dried up. So, and if you notice the life of a musician, it's like the money is up and down, up and down, right. you know? Right. So I needed a little stability. So that's why I kind of pivoted and went back uh, to corporate America, went back to pursue education and things like that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you did it right. Um, it, it basically wasn't that, you know, you get into the music, get stuck with it, even when things drying out, trying to hold on to it and then end up with nothing. You had a plan. Right. And so many people I knew in the music industry were like that, where they had no other options. So mm -hmm. if they weren't rapping, it was, you know, it was jail or selling drugs or doing something illegal. Um, I never had those choices because I never wanted to be, uh, I never wanted to feel like I had to do something illegal to support myself. So that's why I said, let me try to at least further my education and try to do stuff that's going to keep me from trouble because everybody at one point everybody i was around for a good two years just you know would, would make in some really bad decisions you know what i'm saying could be just drugs or crime or you know what i'm saying it just wasn't wasn't the move wasn't the move for me okay okay all right um now so you went from music to the corporate world mm -hmm. Looks like you build a, a, a pretty, pretty nice size CPA business. Yep. And I understand you sold that, correct? Yes, I did. Okay. And then, of course, I guess you said all through, all, all through that period, you were buying real estate. Now, yes. What kind of real estate did you start off buying? Tried to do one deal a year. Just I always focused on income producing multifamily real estate. So my very first purchase was a duplex and I tried to double the number of units I had every single year. That was really my, my calling, right? So I uh, started with just, let me just live in one side, rent out the other, house hacking. House but hacking. then, you know, I tried to, tried to get as much units going forward as possible. Okay. So I just became an expert in like apartments. Uh, eventually, number of you, I got in order to continue to do this, I have to get more, I have to get bigger acquisitions. And that's kind of how I became an expert in, in apartments. Okay, that's what's up. Um, so now you're, you're considered a real estate developer. The big boys. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, the reason why is because when you have the strategy that I have in terms of 
I try to double the amount of units every single year, you mm -hmm. start to run out of like, you know, got a hundred unit apartment building to buy. It's only been so many of those available per year. So right. uh, in order to kind of still meet that requirement, I need to go out and develop properties. So mm -hmm. I need to be able to say, well, look, there's an opportunity in this city that needs certain number of affordable housing units. Since I know the space, let me build it, right? Because it's not there. So that's why that's what led me into the development side. Okay. So what is what what does it mean to be a real estate developer as opposed to your typical real estate investor? Well, developing usually is is a little bit riskier. Um, it's more intensive. Uh, I would also say that it is a little bit longer in terms of the, the payout because we have to deal with a lot of municipals well before you even are shovel ready. You also have to deal with a, a lot more players involved on the development side, right? So I deal with on the development side, I deal with the, the politicians, mayors, city council, I also have to go through zoning and deal with, you know, because you know, you're putting up a new project, you have to go through the zoning process. You also have to search out money that's available for the, from the state level or even the federal level in some cases. So to just, it's, a, it's a much different process than just buying a multifamily uh, project or home. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So... <clears throat> You're developing properties. Now, you said you, you, there's only so many 100, 200 unit buildings you can buy, apartment buildings you can buy. So, I guess before you started developing, were you purchasing the apartment buildings, you know, already built and then move into? Okay. So, now basically, because I understand you said you, you want to do about a deal a year. Is that still the case or that's how you started? Okay. So the deals you're doing now is basically from the ground up. Yes. So what I'm working on now, I'm working on pretty much anything 200 units and above. Uh, that's real ground up development. However, if a great deal, if I find a great deal, I will still do acquisition last year i purchased i did purchase a smaller four family last year um last year i did purchase a 100 unit apartment building as well but it's really if if, if i find a great deal i'm not just going to leave it hanging right right because i remember even part of that discussion when we met um you did mention that also but my goal sorry we're having like a little delay here i see um uh, um, but yeah, it's like, slight delay, slight yeah. delay. Yeah. What What were you saying? Say that again. You were about to say something. No, I was. I was gonna say is that the analogy that I give is like if you see money on the streets, no, it's not gonna stay there for long. Somebody's gonna walk by and pick it up, and it's right. the same thing with real estate. If there's a great deal out there, it's not gonna stay on the market for too long. So when I see a great deal no matter how many units I try to snatch it up. Uh, and that's just, you know, I'm just, I built like that. 
I hear you. I hear you. I mean, that's that's the way to go. We want to grow. I mean, you have a lot of folks, you know, that get into the investment um, or say they want to own property or become an investor, but they want to get one or two units or a handful of units. And to me, that just seems like a lot of work for, you know, um, not much return as opposed to because if I'm doing it, I want to be like, you know, the 200 unit guys, you know. So if I got hard work on my plate, you know, I'm getting a, 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 a full course meal or should I say, oh, basically, I want to be happy in a sense. It, it has to pay off as opposed to getting a duplex. And now I think I'm an investor because I have a duplex, but my I'm having issues with tenants every month and I'm getting $300 cash flow and I'm using that for repairs and broken, to you know? So if you, the way I look at it, if, if you're not going to do it big, I won't say don't do it at all because everybody's different, but that's just my thing. Like, that's my goal. I want to be a developer. You know, I have, you know, investment property out there. And my goal is to get to that, to that level to where, um, how do you, how do you, you, you call that, uh, you mentioned, damn, I forget what, what, what term you use. Basically when you let the rent pay your lifestyle or something to that extent that you the rent free lifestyle rent free lifestyle yeah you know so um so i think i i think it's a progression right. like i think that um people should because everyone has a different path some people right. can just jump out there and operate a big apartment complex and be good with right. it. others need to go through kind of like the steps and the reason why is because what I learned managing a four unit apartment complex, I still use when I have to manage, you know, a 200 unit apartment complex. The reason why is because the, the if you can fix a sink, it's really just scaling. That's all it is. So if you're a good plumber, you're a good electrician, you need to be able to spot these trades and know who's, who's doing the job and you're making sure that you're gonna get priced and charged adequately. Right. Yeah, that's one of the, the, the key things. So at each level, you learn different lessons. The key is to put those lessons, you know, in your memory bank and, and make some great hiring choices. So eventually, as you go up, you, you know, you, you're picking the right managers because ultimately it becomes, you know, I am managing managers. That's really the key. Like I meet with my managers maybe, maybe once a week or every other week. Um, and then we talk about things. If there's nothing, there's no emergency or, you know, anything like that, you know, it's really an uneventful conversation. So you just have to know how to spot talent uh, in terms of the management side. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, with that said, you said, obviously, it's a process. What did that look like to you? How long did it take for you to acquire, you know, 500 plus unit? What does that look like? It took me about 12 years, but if I can do it all again, I think I can do it in about five or six. Um, really, because I spent a lot of times being inefficient. I spent a lot of time 
not really understanding different financial strategies. Um, I, you know, I've pretty much done it all. Like my first five or six purchases, you when you when you go through a bank, even if your credit is good and you're performing on all your your mortgage obligations, banks will not they'll start to pull back. So I had some deals where I really had to be creative because the banks they wouldn't fund them because I just had too many mortgages on my personal right. credit. So then I discovered how to reinvent myself in terms of through an LLC or the power of an LLC. I had to learn that. And once I learned the power of the LLC, it was like I can replicate myself many different times. There was no limit on the number of LLCs that I can have. When I found that out, then that's when my real estate investing really took off. Because for each project that I went into, had a separate LLC, had separate business credit, and I was able to leverage those two components to really maximize the opportunity. Gotcha. Okay. Now, um, yeah, because eventually um, the banks are only going to give you so much money. You're picking up all of these properties and it starts to look, I guess, maybe get a little scary for them. Um, Too much risk. Yeah. Yeah. So... With that said, you mentioned you you leveraged the LLC and business credit. How about private money and you know sources like that? Yeah, I used private money when I really jumped into the bigger apartment buildings. Like my first 100-unit apartment building, I definitely used the syndication business model, and then I started to raise um, you know from private owners. At, I mean, private investors at that particular point in time. Um, I don't do that anymore only because I've, I, there's better ways, there's better alternatives, right. right? So that was even a trying and I learned a lot, you know, really about how to structure deals in, in the best possible way. But really, you do what you got to do to get in to close a deal. Once you commit, especially to brokers, if you get a deal under contract for the strength of your relationship, your brokerage relationship, you really should do all within your power, if it's a good deal, to close because there's lots of, you know, reputations online. Uh, you know, even even uh, once you once you get other investors, you know, it's a lot on your back. So you have to make sure you can perform, and that's exactly what I did. I basically was like, all right, no matter how it is, I'm going to structure this thing. So if I have to even pull equity out of other properties, I'm going to raise the money I need to close to make sure that they know that I'm capable of closing. Gotcha. Okay. Give me one second. I'm going to shut this door really quick because it seems like every two minutes a plane is passing by. Uh, give me I hear one the lawnmower, the lawnmower, lawnmower yeah. guy is going busy. Okay. Um, all right. So the, obviously you have a ton of units. Um, are we, are we section eight or are we renting out to, I guess, non-section eight people? How, how is your strategy? The combination of both. I have section eight tenants. I have other tenants that pay market rate as well. Okay. Now, um, how are your rentals holding up with this whole COVID non-eviction moratorium thing they got going on? 
Yeah, I, I don't like it. Uh, to be a hundred percent honest with you, uh, we're going through a pandemic, um, but in some properties, definitely have some underperforming tenants, mm-hmm. right? Um, and others, I don't. But I can tell you as a whole, I've been pretty good. But I, I just I don't like the fact that um, we're kind of stuck, you know, at this at this limbo stage. Um, but that being said, I understand that these are extenuating circumstances and it's not easy uh, for certain families to perform. But I know that, um, you know, people, you know, people are going through a tough time right now. And I just want to be, be kind of in tune for that, you know, trying to help. Because all my tenants, I tell them, look, if, you know, if you need some time, I'm not charging late fees or anything right now. But if you need some time, we give them the time. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, February, <laughs> you know, February, some people have, have lost their jobs, haven't been able to get back to work. So that's, it's a tough situation for a landlord, to be honest, if you've been affected by COVID. Right, right. And I would think, you know, especially with, with the number of units that you guys are dealing with, that's like a... I mean, it's tough for the for the small guys also because I guess you guys have more, you know, financial power in a sense to sustain for longer than well, the guy. What's sustaining? What's allowing me to sustain is that my my properties uh, are like sixty percent, um, kind of like HUD properties. So we're getting subsidy from HUD, which comes like clockwork. Right. The problem is. Even with with our HUD tenants, the problem is there's a portion of that rent that is the tenant has to pay themselves, and we're not getting that portion. So we're we're making enough on a lot of those projects that I have some issues with. We're making enough to to cover the bills, but there's still you know there's still like a lot of account receivable that that are that's supposed to come in, and with the moratorium. We're, we can't do anything. Typically we would take a tenant to court uh, and we have no mechanism to enforce action. So what I think is gonna happen is um, in the moratorium, if Trump doesn't sign this bill in the next few days, that's gonna expire. And if it expires, what you're gonna see is all over the country, you're gonna see a flood of tenants getting evicted. Cause I'm sure I'm not the only one that's being affected right. by this. Yeah, that's um, that's that's tough. Um, all right, so back to business credit because I see you you talk a lot about you know leveraging <clears throat> the LLCs and business credit and things of that. What jewel could you drop for the people out there in terms of using business credit to get started um, as far as purchasing? their first deal because, you know, I, I work with business credit also, um, you know, and I help people get business credit and things of that uh, sort. But, you know, you got a lot of people with the personal credit issues that you have to kind of work <clears throat> because you would need a certain level of personal credit to get some business credit. Well, there's two, the, this is, I guess, the PG business credit. And then you have the ones you bill, you know, just by the EIN. But 
what, assuming that person is good, they have everything in line, and I know you do the business credit thing too, how could that person um, purchase their first property utilizing business credit? How would you, yeah. Right, so what, one of the things that I've used business credit both ways. I've done it the PG way, and I've done it the non-PG way. Mm-hmm. For me personally, the non-PG way is much better right? Um, because it's safer and you can get more business credit, right? right? You can only leverage your personal credit for so much. So right. 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 it's like you start to get capped out. But I mean, I got a $3 million line of credit right now um, from, uh, from an entity uh, that I basically built out. It took me a number of years. It wasn't like I just you know went and applied for a $3 million line. I had right. to build it up to that point. So that's number one. So getting that line of credit allows me to leverage $3 million through an LLC that, you know, I I basically control. So, you know, having that just like a tool, right? So I might have cash, but instead of using the cash, I'd rather use the business credit to do the acquisitions, do the renovations, refinance when it's, when I'm done. And then I can keep my cash in a bank account looking sexy right. gets me approved for the next round of financing when I got to do a project. So I basically built up kind of like an ecosystem of LLCs and I have a formula and a format from which I can present when I, when I need to, number one, raise money quickly, or number two, just present to a bank just to get uh, approval on, on a project, whether that project is a $10 million project or a $100 million project. I still have to kind of structure it in a certain way. And that the, the business credit helps tremendously. Okay. Okay. Um, so like you say, you talk about this LLC ecosystem. So that's basically having multiple LLCs with multiple lines of business credit and everybody is kind of feeding off each other. Yes. Every, every <laughs> LLC has its own separate line of credit. And sometimes you have LLCs, both of which you own, doing business with each other. Right. And that allows you to even get higher lines of credit. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and do you have, I guess, a course or a program or mentorship to teach this kind of stuff? Or Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what we do is at Money Avenue, which is the which is the bank you can find us at moneyav.com. Um, we have a program in which we get every LLC at least $50,000 of business credit. That's number one. But once you go through our program and you get the 50,000, mm-hmm. we show you how to get million dollar lines of credit. And then once you commit to that, every single year, your credit will increase just by how we, you know, the way that we structure it, but I help people individually do that. Um, Show them how to structure their entities so that they can get the maximum amount of business credit if they're in our program. Okay, okay. All right, so where do you see yourself in five years, personally? All right, so what I just started this year was a bank and the bank is called money avenue and i see myself in five years growing that bank to be to really service over 1 million customers 
right? And that is a goal. It's a set goal. We already have 40,000 customers. We're trying to grow the bank to have 1 million customers. If we're able to do that along the way, we're going to be creating millionaires in the process because the bank is built on, on, on basically bringing people through six levels, right? To ultimately get to the point where they achieve generational wealth. So I like to think that along the way at each different level, we're creating millionaires or we're creating people, we're equipping people really to have better financial literacy. And if you have better financial literacy, you're able to make better financial decisions, keep more money, and eventually that's going to lead to wealth. Right. So Money Ave is a fintech bank, financial tech. And you said you guys have 40,000 customers? Yes. Yes, we have 40,000 customers. We're actually the ninth fastest growing fintech in the country uh, in that space. Um, and what we want to do is next year, when we have other verticals launched, we, that's going to also add to our growth. So we're doing some exciting things. One of the things that we're doing, because financial literacy is so important, we're going to be one of the only banks with generational accounts. Generational accounts are accounts that we give to teenagers so that they can also be financially literate when they turn 18. The analogy that I give is when I was 18, really when I was 15 or 16, I had no clue about money. And this is when I was just coming up in the music game. So uh, I didn't know what budgeting was. I didn't know what banking was. I didn't know how to use credit to really become an entrepreneur. Right. I didn't know any of that stuff. But when I, when I finally turned 18, I got flooded with credit cards when I went away to college. And it put me in a situation because I was just spending money. I just thought it was free money. They were sending me credit cards in the mail. And uh, my credit got messed up. So, so uh, yeah. it sent me back a little bit. Started, started, you know, I couldn't, my credit wasn't what it was. It took me a couple years. I got a couple late pays that I had to, you know, wait a couple years to, to uh, let drop off. Um, I don't want our young adults to be put in that situation where they're starting life behind the eight ball. So right. one of the things that I want to do is I want to give our young adults a, a head start. When they turn 18, they, they are financially literate, they're able to budget, they're able to use a bank account, use credit, know about the credit score, how to leverage your credit score, set yourself up and do it safely, know about how to set up a business, set up an LLC, use the credit of that LLC mm -hmm. instead of taking risks on your personal credit. Gotcha. And 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 that's great because I mean we 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 think think alike in the sense of my whole thing right now is to, with the little I know, I'm not saying that I'm an expert, but I've learned enough over the past couple of years to know, like you said, we've all made that mistake. You turn 18, they flood you with the cards and you think that, oh man, it's free money. And then you start paying the credit card. You bought some shoes for a hundred bucks and you start paying those minimum payments and you're thinking, damn, 15 bucks a month, that's great. But you're paying that 15 bucks a month for five years. And then eventually you're like, the hell, five years later, you're still paying for some Jordans and yeah, those shoes are long gone. 
you know, and and we were never thought, taught that even with personal credit, it's not to buy stuff that you can't afford. It's to leverage, you know, to make a move, basically. It, credit is all about leveraging. It's not about buying stuff that that you want or necessarily or don't need just just to kind of pay it off. And I feel like, you know, our people, we didn't have, you know, um, most of us um, didn't have the education in place or the people to teach us how these things work. Like even now, like over the past couple of years, talking to people about business credit, people that have businesses they never knew that existed. They're like, what? Business credit? What is business credit? What do you mean? Like, but yet you have the other cultures or people that have been utilizing that thing since forever, you know, for their company vehicles and, and writing off everything. You go to McDonald's and you say, you, you tell the 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 person that's serving you, you know, here's my card and that's the business, you know, dinner that you can now write off and a whole bunch of stuff that we just didn't know. And we 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 start these businesses out of our pockets and fund them out of our park pockets. And eventually it may have a little good run, but you run out of money because we don't have the funding fin fundamentals to keep, you know, that that business going. It's kind of like you're dumping your own money into the business that's not generating the profit because we know it takes a couple of years before you're actually generating profit. You might be making money, but it's not profit. And then eventually people get burnt out and the business is done as opposed to using business credit. Like you said, keep your money looking sexy in your bank account and utilize OPM. And a lot of people go out of business because of those simple concepts that they weren't taught. Not we, we won't even go, go back to the, the, the fact that a lot of us come into, into adulthood with bad credit, you know, or, yeah, like, and then one one of the things that I do, and I I'm a, um I was asked to actually teach. Uh, I'm a professor at Morehouse College in Atlanta, and um, I teach a course called Entrepreneurship and uh, Black Wealth. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I try to get our young people to understand is how to use credit. You buy assets, and the, you know, you really have to know the definition between an asset and a liability. Right. That's really the case. If, as long as you continue to buy assets with your credit, you're not going to go wrong. That's that's good debt, right? So right. debt that pays you to have it. So when I think of what an asset is, I think of apartment complexes, right? Things that I own that pay me a salary or pay me profit every single month to own them, right? Even though I, I purchased that with money from a bank, it is I'm still getting paid to own it. Um, you know, it's many things that you can do. If you have a business and you're able to create money at a, at a higher ROI, return on investment, than other things, that is, you need assets. Like every business that you can think of, 
needs to scale. And so I tell people the difference between an asset and a liability, if you focus on assets, you'll be good. Right. Right. Okay. Now, um, back to money. Yav. Um, I know it's a, uh, FinTech bank. Now, do we have, what are some of the tools that the clients have, I guess, um, with, with the bank. So people are, people are actually, you're taking deposits. Like it's a real bank account, correct? Absolutely. It's a hundred percent FDIC insured bank account. Okay. It's different in the sense of we don't have any branches mm-hmm. and it's different in the sense of what we're going to do that other banks are not. Mm-hmm. I'll show you exactly what we, what you, some of the features of having a money app account. Number one, our accounts are no fee. We have business. You can get your, you can get account for your business. Mm-hmm. You can get account for your personal, you know, checking or savings. Um, you know, we send you checkbooks and all of that. You know, we have a, a debit card that's attached to your account. But uh, for the most part, you know, you will not be charged any type of overdraft fee. So let's say you bounce a check at, at Chase or something like that. They're going to charge you $30, $40 for bouncing a check, right? With us, we spot you up to $100. So let's say let's say you have, uh, you're at the grocery store, you know, you're not getting paid until Friday or Wednesday, and, you know, you need to make a purchase, but you don't, you don't have all the money. We'll spot you the money. So that's one of the great things. In addition to that, there's no monthly fee attached to the, to the account, and there's no minimum balance. Now, all of our all of our accounts up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars fully FDIC insured. So on that basis alone, we are better than a traditional bank right. because it's less expensive, uh, the same protections, and more accessibility. What the t- what the other banks are doing is if you look at the big five banks, we're talking about Citigroup, Chase, TD Bank. Wells Fargo and Bank of America. Each one of those banks make between $1 billion and $1.5 billion every single month. That's in fees. They're not turning that spigot right. off. They're not going to turn down a billion dollars every single month. Right. So they're going to con- continue to charge their clients fees. What we want to do is we want to disrupt that. So that's why when you bank with us, we don't charge you any fees and we can compete on that level. Right. So the other thing is we have special loan products for people that live the rent free lifestyle or want to live the rent free lifestyle. So let's say you're looking to house hack. You're between the ages of 20 and 35. We want your very first purchase to be a multifamily house where you can live in one side, rent out the other. That is key, because if you're able to do that, you're able to live better than 70 percent of all Americans. That's one of the great features that we're gonna do. The next feature that you're not gonna see anywhere else is we ask you to bring your personal credit score to 720. When you do that, you lock it, and then we want you to live exclusively through your business, right? Reason why we want you to do that is is three real real reasons. The first reason, if you live exclusively through your business, you're gonna have a tremendous amount of tax write-offs and it's gonna save you 
money on that way. The second reason is because if you live through your business, you'll also be able to utilize your business credit. You'll be able to build out your business, right? And then the third reason is that for every LLC, we want to encourage more entrepreneurs. We want to see more people doing real estate, particularly real estate development. So we give you $50,000 of guaranteed business credit if you have an LLC and we do that. Now, if you do that and you prove the concept of your business and you have two years tax returns, we can qualify you for lines of credit that you can literally have checkbook writing privileges against your, your uh, business credit all through the bank. If you could do that, um, you know, we, we have up to a million depending on other criteria, the amount of money your business makes. And if you have those two years tax returns, we get you higher lines of business credit, right? And then um, we also, going along to build generational wealth, we also have life insurance policies um, that, we, that we, you know, you can't talk about generational wealth if we're not talking about life insurance. So we right. want our young people to have life insurance as well. So if, you, if you're between the ages of, I think, 20 and 30, for only $20 a month, you can get over 200 grand of life insurance policy, a life insurance policy, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. $20 a month, you get $200,000 of life insurance. That, that, that's big in our community. So, um, you know, these things are there so people can, along the way, we're gonna have educational things. And we talked about the generational accounts. There's a number of, of benefits to banking with us. If you're looking to build generational wealth, where the bank to do that, the home of the entrepreneur, home of the real estate developer. These, these are special tools that are gonna to be available to you to help you build wealth. And all of these tools are basically standard with your bank account. Or is this, you know? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And some, and some more, right? So we have a billionaire that's on our board. One of the, if you're looking to build generational wealth, the reason why you wanna bank with us is because first of all we believe it's two ways to build generational wealth only two ways right either through real estate which we feel anybody can do or through a business setting up some type of business that has structures that you can scale so if you're looking to walk any of those two paths whether it's real estate or business we do something that other banks will not for instance if you're looking for real estate you don't have the money you can join venture with us if we like your deal other banks won't do that right the reason why is because we're real estate investors if we like your deal we'll invest in your deal for you that can give you the startup capital startup money that you need of course you'll be giving us some equity in the deal it's not a charity but we have a we invest with you right, so that you right. can make money we sponsor you or we'll come up with some structure. If you're doing business and you have a great business idea, you have a concept, you have some invention and you are looking to start, we'll, uh, we'll invest in your business. There's a number of companies that we've already invested in that have gone on to some decent success, right? That fund is there for that. So we have this angel syndicate fund that is looking for, for either real estate developers or entrepreneurs that we can invest in and help them get to the next level, pretty much precede funding, you know? So your bank is not doing that, we are. Right. So um, with 
with your bank, of course, we're still getting the like ATM debit cards and, and things of that sort. Or how does that work? Absolutely. If you want to make a deposit, you basically take a picture of a check and it deposits in your account. If you want to pull money out, you just go to an ATM. If you want to pay bills, you can pay bills right on your phone. Uh, there's a bill paying app there. Um, if you know everything that you can do with your other bank, you can do with us. You right, know, right. it's just done digitally, but we have the same functionality available. And we have some additional functionality. We have a budgeting feature, right? So mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to basically, let's say you want to make a purchase for next Christmas or you want to budget for a trip or a car, our app shows you how to do that in a financially responsible manner. You know, we have some some great features. Okay. Sounds great, but I'm I'm still like, and you said you guys started that this year. Well, we, we actually, we have a, a, what's called a minimal viable product. So we've launched some of the features. Some of the features are going to be launched in February. So the features that are out this year is everything else besides the depository accounts and the budgeting app. Okay. That's not available right now, but it will be in February, right? So if anyone is interested in signing up, just go to bankmoneyav.com and you can sign up there and February, we have our beta that's coming out next month, January. In January, we have to test it for 30 days, and then we can make it available to the public. And that's what's going to be available in February. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get as much people as we can. The more people we get banking with us, the more that we can turn back around. We can, we can give, uh, put more money into the community, help more entrepreneurs, help more real estate developers. That's really the key. Because the number one uh, employer of really of black people, government are black entrepreneurs. So one of our initiatives is to help more black entrepreneurs because the unemployment rate is atrocious right now in the black community. Right. So we want to definitely try to get money into our community and at least have it touch at least four or five different hands before it leaves. Gotcha. Yeah, because that's that's a big thing with with our community. You know, does it even touch <laughs> a hand before it leaves our community or it's just come in and straight out to every other, uh, <laughs> you know, it comes in, stays in for about 17 seconds and leaves <laughs> and it's out. That's it. You know, so yeah, one point two trillion dollars every year where the number one consumers that's um, on, crazy. on a per capita basis. So it's, it, it's uh, you know, we do have spending power, but unfortunately, you know, we've got to figure out how to circulate it a little more in our community so we can spread wealth around and eliminate some of these societal ills uh, that exist. To me, it's like, even when you talk about the policing issue, the racial equality issue, home ownership, the wealth gap, all of these issues could be solved with just better financial literacy. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so in February, we'll be able to, to uh, basically utilize more features with, with MoneyAv. Um, now you say you guys already have 40,000 customers? 
that's a that's a yes. Whole... So forty thousand customers that have went through our other program are lending. We also have life insurance. We have a super fast loan that we've been using to target payday lenders, and it's been a real growth uh, origin for growth for us, where you can get anywhere from five hundred to ten thousand dollars in as little as three hours. So that's something that, that uh, is available. You can go to Money App um, and, and, and take advantage of that. But we've also do residential and commercial lending. You know, all of, all of these services are, are available and ready to go. And the goal is obviously for most of that, those people to then, you know, convert to deposit accounts. Um, we, we would hope we would hope people that have done business with us the last 18 months mm -hmm. um, that now that we are a full fledged bank, that they come on and bank with us. Bring your business over. Bring your personal account over. Bring your children over. Right. We have the generational accounts that we, we don't want to be a transactional bank. We want to be with you as a true partner to help you build generational wealth. The more people that bank with us, the more we can we can we can help, really. Gotcha. Now, real quick, that that 10 10k in three hours, how does that work? How what 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 is needed for a loan like that? And what are the, the interest rates on something like that? Yeah, interest rates are super low. We're talking two and three percent. It's a short-term loan. But the whole idea is to target those um you know predatory lending institutions that charge you 20 and 30 percent that's really the key and that's where we've seen a lot of growth in that area will help thousands of people do that it's a personal ending upon your personal credit score and also your income as well you know but it's a great way if you need money in a pinch instead of going to a pawn shop instead of going to uh, a check cashing place Great way to come to Money Ave, and uh, you know we have these short-term loans for you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Great. So I'm definitely going to be pushing Money Ave. <laughs> I love to see black excellence. You know. Um, but real quick before I let you go, Think about how we can work together on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was going to be one of my other questions. Like you know. You know, how do we work out some sort of ambassadorship or if that's a word um, or, you know, just put because I like to push, push black excellence. I mean, like I said, if you're doing it big, I want people to know that you're doing it big. And, you know, it, it's it's just what I do. It, and it's sort of not that this podcast is a black thing, but you know, I definitely want to see us do better because it's not really about black or white. It's, I mean, I love everybody, but we need to do better as a people. We're so far behind, you know, and we need to push this vehicle. Like yeah, that thing, like, you know, just because, right. Yeah, just just because, um, and we we say that all we ha it has to be a conscious effort, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you look at the resources that are available to the black banks, they right now control twenty one point five trillion with the T trillion dollars of banking assets. There's twenty black banks 
We lost two this year, right? So that's 18 now. And collectively, all of them combined only control about $5 billion in assets. So that's just, you know, just to, so you can understand proportionately that we have to, you know, if, we, if we're not the ones that are in control of granting funding to our businesses, we don't get equal, we don't get an equal fair share of, of the pot. Right. You know, um, this is, this is a real uh, serious issue and needs to be, needs to be addressed. And that's why we're trying to get out there to spread the message, to get people to bank with us and understand that the dollar that you spend with us helps five other people. <laughs> you know, right. it helps the guy down the road that's starting a business. It helps the entrepreneur over in this community that wants to do something really great that ultimately is gonna allow us to be a better country. It's gonna allow us to kind of close the wealth gap or try to at least, right? It's not gonna be overnight, but somebody has to start. That's right. why I've taken this cause up, uh, the banking cause as my life's work. Gotcha. And, and, and you're doing a great thing, man. And you're doing it big. I love it. I love it. But um, like I said, I appreciate your time. Um, but before we go, I got a couple of bonus questions, you know, just to kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, see, see, see another side of uh, Mr. A. Donahue Baker. Um, what kind of car does Mr. A.D. Baker drives, and why? All right. So I, you broke up there on the question. So you have to, I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I think it was the connection. Gotcha. Okay. Bonus question. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You got me? Okay. What kind of car do you drive, and why? Oh, I drive a Tesla. I drive a Tesla Model S. Um, the reason why is because a number of different reasons. I'm a big proponent of the planet, preserving it, trying to limit carbon imprint. Uh, you know, that is more so who I am, ecological reasons. But I love the car. Uh, I've been one of the first 40 Tesla owners in the state of New Jersey where I reside. And I'm actually, this is my, I've owned three of them now. So this is my third Tesla. And uh, I just feel as though that is, you know, it's, I can't drive a, a gas vehicle any anymore, you know? So that is why. In addition, okay. I've, I've, been a, I've been a Tesla stockholder. I don't anymore. I sold all my stock, but okay. uh, I did join Tesla at 33 and uh, I enjoyed the ride. And, and uh, when I was invested in, the stock market that was one of my favorite stocks wow okay um all right so that's what's up so so no gas vehicles <laughs> so we won't be seeing you in a in, in a lamborghini anytime soon no <laughs> no nah, nah, you won't see that i'm always gonna be in a in a tesla um however even though i'm getting I'm, i have another tesla that, that's supposed to be coming this year to test the truck. Okay. But I'm hearing that there's some other, uh, some other electric vehicles. I may try one of those. I think the Apple car is one. Okay. You know, um, 
would love to see if it, if it's a good product, maybe I'll do that. Gotcha. All right, the better businessman, Jay Z, P Diddy, or Dame Dash, for personal reasons, maybe not you know financially. Oh man, that's a. Um. Well, I'll I'll rate them right. You said Jay Z, Dame Dash. And, and Master P? No, Diddy. P. Diddy. Diddy. Oh, Diddy. Diddy, Diddy. P. Diddy. All right, so I would definitely say Jay-Z would be number one. P. Diddy would be number two. And uh, and Dame Dash would be number, uh, like, 300-something. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, no, no shade. No shade on uh <laughs> oh, man. on Dame Dash, but uh you know not not very to me he's not very highly rated businessman. Yeah. Um, but Jay Z very shrewd businessman. Um, I think I love I love his philosophy and, and uh how he is able to delay gratification and kind of think steps ahead, right? right. Um, Puff is an amazing businessman. Uh, had the had the opportunity to meet him as well, and he he his work ethic is unparalleled. So in terms of work ethic, I don't think anybody works harder than Pop. Okay. Um, but I still think Jay is a better visionary. I think I think Jay is a better um, politician. You know, think I think he's very shrewd with his. Uh, his alliances, like Jay's, is right. is is, uh, is better in that end. So, right, it's a good right. question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like the way you answer it because you, you and Dame up. It, yeah, I'm sorry. Say that again, Dame. Because we were breaking up. No, I was saying, and Dame Dame is a um, is a failed businessman, right? Dame is a failed businessman. So he just Dame. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with Dame as well. Mm -hmm. um, Dame lacks the finesse to to be successful at the level he's trying to be successful at. Right. You know, um, diplomacy is important. Uh, making enemies yeah. is is uh, you know you have to treat people a certain way when when they're at the bottom. To to you know even on this on think, just think of it this way. I just feel as though um, if you if you listen to what Dame says and then what he's done. It's it's like night and day as well. You know what I'm saying? Like I just I just personally feel like um, that uh, the Dame could he could represent a lot better if if there was integrity and in, and in, in what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I can't really rate Dame any higher on the list. Even though he's had some successes, Dame has never really had a su success on his own. Right? He's never had success on on uh since he's kind of got from the shadows of jay-z that's number one and he's had many opportunities he's um invested in a number of different things just hasn't really worked out for him yeah and and not to not to uh stay on the topic or on the dame topic as if we're trying to bash dame because dame kind of bashes himself it's just and I kind of threw him in there as a, you know, a, a, a monkey wrench. 
just for the fact that, and, and then you answered it just like, because I'm like, I'm not crazy. You know, it's like you you watch his interviews. I watched him on an interview with two other billionaires with a B multiple times over. And the thing is with Dame, he's never wrong. And he rather own an ice cream stand just to say, I'm the boss. I use my own money. I don't ask anybody for anything. And rather than owning an actual billion dollar company, he talks about networks and all of these companies. Like you said, a bunch of failed businesses that he pushed as if they're, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And I'm like, I get it. Like before I was, you know, I like Dame. I was pushing for Dame's success. But then when you actually hear him speak, like, I don't know if you ever watched the, uh, these planes are killing me. Um, if you ever watched the, the Breakfast Club interview with him bashing these people for working at the Breakfast Club, and I would pretty much, you know, uh, bet a good amount of money that all of them are probably doing way better than him financially. You know, I, I, I throw that out there. I take that risk and especially envy that he was literally, and I think, I think he was going more hard at envy just because envy is that successful. And, and, and yeah, no, Dame, that's Dame. That's Dame. That's just Dame. I think Dame is um, I think Dame is a, is a bully. Um, I think Dame is uh, his personality has been that. I've done business with Dame before, right? right? I've done business with Dame, um, and it was like I wasn't treated to where I can be like you know, even though I want him to win, I wasn't treated fair and I wasn't treated with integrity. So from there, it's like when you don't have certain things in, in your character, it's like I can't really give you the utmost respect. I want to see you win, but right. at the same token, it's like I can't, you know what I'm saying? I can't really no, I get you. can't stamp you and endorse you if I can't trust you, you know what I'm saying, right. with, exactly. with integrity. And so from that is- being said, it's like, like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and bash Dame. You know, nah, nah, him, that's not the um, point. Yeah, and what he's going through. Yeah, I know. I know he's he's uh he's at a point right now where you know he 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 needs some help. You know what I'm saying? He needs he's not in a great spot. But at the same token, you know, I hope that it works out for him. I hope so. He, I, I think it's more like I said, the view. The view needs to change. It's like that whole I'm Dame and I'm the boss and I don't need anybody. It's not going to work. But anyway, um, like I said, before I let you go, um, plain Jane Rolex, iced out AP. What are you wearing? Uh, I don't, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a name brand type dude. You Uh, know what I'm saying? But uh, I'll go with the iced out AP every now and then if I'm having fun, you know. You you won't see me in a bunch of jewelry and all that. We talked about assets. Yeah, we talked about assets, but you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling like spending, you know, maybe maybe I'll go that way, you know. Okay. But uh, right now, it's like it's it's I am so focused on buildings and building generational wealth. Like one of the things that I that I bought, I got a three year old son, 
right? Just bought him a six unit apartment building, you know, last year, right? And he was two at the time. That apartment building is gonna do two things for him. It's gonna, number one, allow him to get a free college education, whatever school in the country wants to go, that apartment building will pay for that. But in addition to that, it's also gonna allow him to say, well, if I don't wanna go to college, I don't have to because I got income from this apartment building and he can rock with that right up until the point where he wants to figure out what he wants to do. So to me, that's the type of stuff that I'm into uh, and and is buying assets and things that pay you to own them. Of course, of course. You know, these are bonus, these are more more so to try to find out the style. Cause I took you, I don't know, cause he's so smooth. I took you for the plain Jane Rowley, nice gold, you know, clean or whatever. I didn't, I, I didn't take you for the iced out AP, but um, since you don't drive, uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Now I'm saying I, I get flossy now. When I when it's time oh, to yeah. get flossy, you know, I, I do have a couple toys, you uh, know, uh that I will break out from time to time, you know. Gotcha. But uh, you know, it's this cause I grew up next to Harlem, so you know, I still got a little Harlem yeah. well in me. So okay. it's all good. Harlem is all about the swag, so <laughs> you you that that'll never die. All right, style wise, because I know you don't drive uh gas cars anymore. Bentley or Rolls Royce? What type of man would you be if they made electric cars? Or when? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Bentley or the Rolls Royce? You know, they both classic, uh, very, very, very nice vehicles. I've been in both, and I and I and I, I think I, I think I'll be rocking the Bentley. I would I would go with the Bentley. Okay. Okay. Um. All right, all right. So once again, like I said, I don't want to take up too much of your time, man. I appreciate you coming out to the Garage Billionaire podcast and spending this time with me. Um, like I said, let whatever you know you need me to do. Um, hopefully, we could talk about that to kind of push the initiative. Um, I'm up for it. Um, uh, what else? If you could uh, give out your Instagram handle, uh, Facebook, whatever you want to put out there, you could put it out there now. Sure. So you, yeah. So anybody that wants to reach out, I'm on Instagram a lot, on Twitter as well. The same social media handle: a Donahue Baker. Uh, Donahue is D O N A H U E Baker B A K E R. A Donahue Baker on all channels. On my YouTube channel as well, always dropping jewels. You can yeah, definitely find me there. And once again, support Money Ave. I think it's going to change your life. It's definitely going to be the bank. You can find us at moneyav.com or bankmoneyav.com if you want to sign up with our banking banking operation, which is going to be starting in February of 2021. And uh, I look forward. I want to be really engaging with people, trying to help them along the way. So don't be afraid to reach out. And uh, brother, I appreciate you for just giving me the opportunity to come into the garage and chop it up with you. All right. Appreciate you, man. This is another one for the books. I know it, uh, and I don't know in how many years, but, um, you know, when, when, when you're in the B-Boys Club, the Billionaire Boys Club, you know, I can say, yo, that guy was on the Garage Billionaire podcast. And you know that's that's what it's here for, and hopefully you know we stay in touch and we could do something together. I do look forward to that because I believe in building partnerships, um, 
and doing good business. And um, once again, I appreciate your time and you enjoy the rest of your holiday, man. Thank you, my brother. And we'll talk soon. I'm gonna reach out to you. Uh, I'm gonna reach out to you after. We'll see what we can we can collaborate on. All right. All right. Appreciate you. Press the record button. Yeah. Uh. It's great they don't pay they nigga. Let's go get it. Motherfucking dog say. <laughs> yes sir. Yeah. Most shit can be telefast. In life, you gotta compromise. Been jumping like I'm teleport. In the coupe, yeah, that shit be sport. Back then, I jumped off the porch. With a 2-3, that's my baby toy. Drug dealers with the fence door. Head of the trap at that corner store. Yeah, we dodging the police. Mm. Yeah, it could get all dirty up in these streets. Yeah, huh? yeah we putting up in the rape. Middle finger out the drive. I be trying to keep my faith. Middle finger to the cops. Dodging the police. Hold up, give me some respect to give me game like tagging. This ain't no punishment. Who you checking? Better learn your lesson, baby. Hey. This ain't no punishment. Niggas dodging the police. Yeah, you know it ain't no stunting with me. Yeah, I'm low key with my haters. Ain't no stunting for free. I can see you in that grass now. I can see that you creep. Four deep, you don't know me, OGs. Hey, Z's up, Z's up. Robert Z's with the C's and the wings up. You gotta compromise. Being jumping like I'm teleport. In the coupe, yeah, that shit be sport. Back then, I jumped out the porch. With a 2-3, that's my baby toy. Drug dealers with the Vincent door. Head of the trap at the corner store. Yeah, we dodging the police. Uh, it could get all dirty up in these streets. Yeah. Uh, Gonna give me some Endeavor and Grubber. I roll it up now. My head is gone. No sleep when I be trapping. Don't got time for napping. Running like a marathon. Counting up all these bennies. No nigga I ain't friendly. Don't call my telephone. No handouts for giving. Got caught up in prison. Snake niggas working as informants. Whoa. Now I'm in the trust house rolling up and down. And all of them forms. Whoa. I'm counting up all them BNGs. While niggas be snoring. Hey. When you rack up them niggas, they envy. They try to extort you. Whoa. Smoking up all on this fire weed, yeah, that shit that be potent. Oh, shit can't be telefast. In life, you gotta compromise. Being jumping like I'm teleport. In the coupe, yeah, that shit be sport. Back then, I jumped out the porch. With a 2-3, that's my baby toy. Drug dealers with the Vincent door. Head of the trap at the corner store. Yeah, we dodging the police. Uh, it could get all dirty up in these streets, yeah. Uh, yeah, we pulling up in the rape. Middle finger out the drive. I be trying to keep my faith. Middle finger to the cow